Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Breakaway! Welcome to episode 56 of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA and the Hockey Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. This week, I chat with Warrior goaltender Michael Almer. Michael and I first crossed paths at the Soda Stick Hockey Classic two years ago and have had a friendly back and forth ever since. He is also an Army veteran who plays on local Warrior teams. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Michael. Michael, how are you? Uh, not too bad. Can't <laughs> complain too much about the day. Yeah, it's M- Monday's almost over. We got that going for us, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, th- thanks for joining me on the podcast. I, I know we've kind of uh, been going back and forth a little bit, and uh, I-, I knew uh, you'd be able to hop on pr- pretty uh, a little bit easier than some of the other people I try and schedule it. So, I appreciate that. Oh, not a problem. Yeah, I, I was uh, last week communicating with a, a few fellows, and they, they, they both said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in, but let's do it after the new year. I was like, okay, I can I can do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, my life, until this upcoming weekend, like, I'm free and just prepping for that. And You're going out to Philly for a tournament, aren't you? Yep. What tournament is that? Uh, the USA Hockey Warriors Classic. Oh, it fun! Be in Vegas, the last five years, but for what I don't know why it went to <laughs> Philly this year. But I was gonna say they thought you know maybe you guys were having too much fun in Vegas. Let's bring you to Philly instead. I won't be surprised. Like I've heard some of the stories from the guys that went on the earlier on tours of it, and they're very memorable. Yeah. Well, you get a few military members together anywhere, and oh, yeah. it's going to be that way. Uh, I've got a good friend who's a retired Navy carrier pilot, and he just says we need to go to Key West for a week. As like, a weekend's good. He goes, no, we don't go for anything less than a week. And I was like, I, I don't know if I should go with you down there. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. Um. I, I just noticed I'm wearing my uh, soda stick shirt from the uh, year we got to play against each other. It was uh, about two years ago. 
Uh, two, three. It was before the whole COVID pandemic. So, like, I was yeah. hoping that it would come back that next year, and that just all got shot down. Yeah, I was talking to Landon. You know, he was hoping maybe last year he could have, but, it, you know, there was so much in limbo he didn't know. And then uh, it looks like the Goons for Good tournaments are going to replace the soda stick because it gives them the opportunity to maybe do it more than once a year. Yeah. So, I know that last Goons for that was just a blast that weekend and you dodged me. And... I, I was so bummed. So I, I signed up and my nephew was getting married that weekend. And I was going, okay, maybe I'll have to miss one game because, you know, evening wedding. And then the little jerk sends us the text. Well, he has mom send it, first of all, <laughs> that he wants us there for family photos. And I'm like, you know, and it, he's a good kid. You know, his parents were divorced when he was young. And my ex-brother-in-law, he was technically his stepdad. And so early on, there, there was a little bit of, you know, he never just disowned him, but there it were, you know, he, he kind of felt out of, my nephew felt a little bit out of place there for a while. And so my brother-in-law and I, we never stepped in as the father figure, you know, my ex-brother-in-law has always been that to him, but you know, we, we kind of stepped in as that male role model in some early, very formative years for my nephew. And he, uh, he's always remembered that. So when he asked me in the family to be there for family pictures, it's like, yeah, it's the right thing to do, you know. Somebody but, else gets to, but I, I don't know. I, I was texting Landon before early on, and I was like, "Hey, th- this is what I got going on," and I knew he could see our back and forth. So I, I was surprised <laughs> that they didn't get us to uh, play at least on the first day because the first soda stick, me and uh, the fellows over at Hockey Arsenal were going back and forth, you know, ridiculously <laughs> before the tournament. And surprise, surprise, we were the first game to kick off the tournament. <laughs> kind of like, yeah, everybody's been watching you two go back and forth. Let, let's see you uh, battle it out on the ice now. And that, that that was a fun one because I think we beat Andy's team like nine to two. <laughs> so we're, we're going through the the uh, handshake line and he is like, yeah, didn't really back up uh, anything I had to say there, did I? <laughs> But it was fun. Andy, I've had him on the uh, podcast. He's a former goalie turned forward because of his bad knees. Yeah, I've done, like, I do the split every once in a while, but I still try and my body's holding up. So staying as a goalie as long as I can. Yeah, and I don't know. I just think it's more fun. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you can score goals, and that's fun, and all that stuff, but just – Making that play on a breakaway or, you know, catching that glove. You know, when I watch a hockey game, I don't know about you, but when I watch a hockey game and see a play, I never feel that puck on my stick. But I watch that, you know, nice save in front of the net. I can feel that on my, you know, in the leg pads. Or I can feel, you know, a big windmill save. You can feel that puck going into a glove when you watch it on TV. Oh, yeah. That's even from just playing beer league and then seeing the pros do it. Like I have that moment where I just I feel I could have done it just as well as them if I was younger and yep more talented but had the same defense as them <laughs> had had the same back checking. <laughs> but, oh yeah, I, I, anytime I get back checking is phenomenal. But like I love those just you're in the moment saves and everyone's amazed that you did. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's I knew what I was doing. 
but yep. I'll always take the credit for it because it's fun. Yeah, there, there's a few times where the puck or the ref comes to get the puck from me, and he's like, "Hey, that was a nice save." And I look at him and go, "It was all luck, buddy." <laughs> like, and he just kind of look at me like, "That's well, being a little too honest." <laughs> yeah, some like I, there's times I've been the refs will come up and you know they'll try and how did you do that? I I just did. It was reaction. Yeah, and I have no clue how I did it. I didn't give up. Yeah, you know. We see Mark Andre Fleury. He's probably the last best example of that these days. Of you know that that generation of yeah, you know your technique, but you don't give up, and that's where those crazy saves come from. I remember uh, going yeah. to goalie school, and our goalie coach he always told us he's like, I don't want to see you guys making the big highlight real saves because if you make those, that means you are out of position. Those are desperation saves where you do whatever you can. And there were two pieces of truth I took from that. One, it's absolutely true. A guy like Patrick Y right. I thought was boring to watch for so long, but that's because he was so technically sound. He didn't have to make the big save. But at the same time, he mentioned, you know, it's the desperation save. And to me, that desperation save is not giving up on the play. And there, there's a lot of kids these days, if it's not, you know, they're technically out of position. They're kind of like, well, I have no chance. And they just kind of give up. Oh, yeah. Like I catch every once in a while during a practice, I'll catch myself doing that. And like, I'll get mad at myself in the moment and, but realize it's practice, you know, yeah, not going to really go crazy. But when it comes to the games and that same moment happens, I don't know if it's just instinct takes over or what it is, but all of a sudden my body is bending ways that I couldn't stretch before I started. And hopefully I get a piece of the puck and it makes it look like a phenomenal save in front of three or four fans. Eventually erupt, and, you know, I just go on and act like it was normal. And There's that save from the soda stick uh, tournament where, you know, my buddy, uh, Charles from Bone Jack Designs, you know, immortalized it where I'm literally doing the barrel roll. My uh, One of my old teammates said it looked like I was a, an equal sign and it was just not giving up. And I remember I, I kicked that puck up out of the way and it was just, you know, don't give up, do it, do whatever your body allows you to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there were a few pictures of me from that tournament where you look at it and you're like, wow, how are limbs going those ways? I don't get it. Uh, one of my uh, high school teammates asked me if there were any pictures of me from that tournament where I was actually on my feet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. In the handshake line, I think there were a few. <laughs> so let, let's talk about you and your playing days. When did you first, you know, get started with hockey and, you know, immerse into this great sport? I want to say it was mid 80s, later 80s. So I started like first year might mm-hmm. where everyone was a skater yeah. and you got, here's your rotation list of who's going to eventually play goal for this game. And you get your one time throughout the season to be a goalie and you were back to just learning position play and right. going forward. And that one time it was at an outdoor rink, not too far from where I lived. And it was just as cold as it could be probably a December out here. And I got the, you know, the nod that easier put on the pads. And I think that was my parents' absolute nightmare. For me, it was, I finally get to be a Casey moment, even though it's mites, it's cold outside. 
we're playing outside, but I get to be, you know, the guy I looked at and followed the early portion of my life as a goalie, because that's all we had out here was the North stars were who you watched. And John Casey was at that time, the guy that we had and Mm -hmm. kind of just followed him for ever and got yelled at for mimicking him when I played in net and, like, you don't need to sit there and point where the puck's going. Just stand there and play. Yep. And I pointed everything that was going on. And like they, my coaches hated it, but I, I just loved the moment. Yeah. So like you said, mom and dad feared it. Uh, how did they take you uh, just <laughs> loving the position? Uh, even to this day, they still say that that was the worst thing they could have done was – they always encouraged me to play every sport that I could and hockey's that one that stuck with me, but being a goalie, they, as soon as they kind of saw the price tags, even back the eighties, early nineties, like it was, I can't believe you want to do this. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. You can be a skater for a lot less. You can do all these things so much cheaper, but nope, I want to be a goalie. And then as the years went on and, NHL became a bigger following. Like I started seeing the new, like uh, Belfour, Patrick Waugh, Grant Fuhrer, just seeing those guys and just became enthralled with the idea of being a goalie thinking at, you know, nine, 10, I can be one of those guys mm-hmm. when I'm older. And that's back the old style. And I love that style versus the new stuff. And it's just phenomenal to watch going back, seeing some of the documentaries that have come out with the various goalies and just how they played versus what's going on today mm-hmm. and how much it's changed. It's so easy to get caught in a rabbit hole of watching goalie highlight videos from like the 80s and 90s. And it's just like such a different way of playing the game. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that sticks out to a lot of people is, yeah, there, there was that time you know the the garth snow days where things were getting just ridiculously big but you look at the equipment today it's still pretty big compared to those 80s and early 90s goalies i mean you look at marty brodeur and i've said it before even at the end of his career when he stood up you could see his breezers goalies today they stand up and you don't see their breezers you know it, it was a you know, yeah, did we have giant gloves? I still have my giant Vaughn glove, which is probably the biggest one ever made. Did we have the floaters? Yeah, but those were different ways of making yourself look big, where the equipment today is just, is it technically slimmed down? Yeah, but they've they've made it bigger in other ways that I think almost make it harder to be as athletic as we, I would say we still are, but let's be honest, as we once were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember like the first time I after I got out, I never played high school. Like I finished in Bantams and like I just didn't fit in with the high school crowd. So mm-hmm. I kind of yeah, I hung them up, went on with my life for a while. And when I got out of the military in 2011, I saw an opportunity to come back and just play. I dug out my old gear that was my only new set I had ever had from I think it was like 94. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was sitting in my parents' garage up in the rafters just waiting and threw it on for a practice almost 15 years later. And it just, it felt incredible to be back. And like everyone had the newer gear, the sliding and 
I was just happy to have pads on and my old bulky skates, the stick that weighed 20 pounds. Yeah. Like, just, I don't know, there was something just felt right about going right back to it, even though I had absolutely no idea what I was doing anymore. So you mentioned the military. When, when did you join the military and, you know, why did you join? I, I know every everybody that's, I know that's in, been in the military or currently in the military, there's always a, a reason why. And it's never, well, because that was my only option. There, there's always a deeper reason. I joined, it would have been, I signed my formal papers in February, 2002. So we had September 11th had just happened the handful of months before. Yep. I got a call from a recruiter in December ish, I think. And, so and you I, had been talking to him prior to then, if you're getting a call. A few times, like, cause I had dropped out of high school and went, was getting my GED. So that was kind of held a lot of things up. Cause I would have joined September 12th had I had a degree or my diploma or GED at that time. Mm-hmm but I had to go through and do the classes and get all that out of the way and talk to the recruiter, just happened to get a text message saying, if you're interested, call. I had just lost the job I was at. Well, to say you got a text message in 2002 tells me you were pretty technology forward at that time. (laughs) To an extent, like I still had to like push your button three times. Oh yeah. Like it was, I don't know how they sent him out, but he just caught me on the right day. And like, yeah, I'll come in. We can talk. And he just sweet talked to me like they always do. Mm-hmm. And like made no promises other than the job I was going to get that I asked for. And that's all I wanted. I didn't want any special treatment or schools. So I signed my papers in February, came home, told my parents I'm leaving in two weeks. They thought I was joking. And what branch and did you sign up for? I went to the army. Okay. Which was for anyone that does follow this, that's thinking military, go Air Force, Navy, not the Marines, not Army. They're great in their own rights, but looking back on it, I would have loved to go to the Navy or the Air Force after hanging out with a lot of those guys and my time in, my time out. Like, they just, nicer amenities, <laughs> probably the best way to say it, where the Army and Marines, you're going to live in subpar housing at times and you grow it grows on you and you really appreciate when you get back to something that's really nice but like a huge difference between the the, those two branches against each other it's a whole different world yeah absolutely but yeah when i got in went through basic training in fort leonard wood down in missouri during kind of springish summer and then graduated just before fall so i got the fun weather of southern missouri of it's really cold it's really hot it's starting to get really cold again and our graduation day i think it was in the 90s and just about 90 percent humidity wearing our dress uniforms and it was just miserable but it was over and we were just glad it was over and you know, you mentioned the job you wanted. What was your job in the army? I went into the military police corps. Okay. I kind of, I followed to an extent of my dad's footsteps. He was in the army as an MP. And I thought it was just really the coolest job you could get. Be able to go out and help people. It's really uh, not to downplay the job, but it was a lot of waving traffic through. Yep. 
and less of watching cops and always action packed for 30 minutes. And you're like, yes, I get to, you know, lights and sirens, drive to everything as fast as I can. And no, you get there. Yep. You're on bus duty to wave the cars through and get the buses to the schools. And you realize they, they lied to me. (laughs) No, they they let you become an MP. (laughs) Well, they just, they didn't give us the fun details of the job. But clearly your dad didn't either. (laughs) No, like even in his time, like they wore dress uniforms at the gates and he had, I think rough compared to what we did. But at least we had normal uniforms. We didn't have to have our fancy uniforms every day to wave traffic through. But I got lucky enough and I left the original unit I was in and went to a field MP unit where all we did was field work. And I got, that's where I got my opportunities to deploy with the same guys for two tours. And it was probably the best decision while I was in the army to make was to get away from looking fancy and driving cars to here's your Humvee every Monday. We are going to inspect it, make sure it works. And then we're going to go just clean weapons. That was our entire week. You would go to the field for a little bit, come back clean. And it was such a simple way of life, but you knew what you were doing every day. You were with the same guys every day. Mm -hmm. And it just, even being brand new to a group that had gone training for a year before they knew they were playing, like I was welcomed in without question. Right. Like I caught a lot of ribbing just because I was coming from the fancy unit that never went to the field, never got dirty. And they took me in and, you know, they got me dirty and they beat me up and they got me into their mindset real quick. And like, it just, that formed those bonds over a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was like nothing I had, been in before still almost haven't found still to this day but it's mm-hmm. just there's something about that close quarters you're with everybody every second of the day you wanted yeah. to go downtown and drink you went with all those guys because everyone was going downtown to drink yeah so it's, you spent, you know seven days a week with them yeah it's it's not a oh we're going downtown if you want to come it's we're going downtown oh yeah so you mentioned two two deployments uh where did you go and how did it go um my first one was 2004 we went to kandahar afghanistan which for every one of us except for one person in our 22 person platoon it was our first deployment we had never left the country our medic who was the one that did deploy was in desert storm so he he had seen some things before Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't like he'd give us, you know, what to look for, what to do, but he was like, he had, if you needed a question life lesson about being deployed, he was the go-to because he was the only one of our small group that ever got on that plane and experienced coming off the back of the plane and to, Oh, that's just the engines that are blowing the hot air. And then you're all of a sudden by a tent and it's still 110 and it's yeah. you know, 10 o'clock at night. And you go, yeah. what did I just volunteer to get myself into mm-hmm. the next year or more? And it was the first year, like, it was just a lot of learning, a lot of training with the Afghan police, Afghan army. 
as weird as it may sound, it's an incredible country to see. Like some of the architecture and buildings they have mm-hmm. are insane. Like they're just beautiful beyond belief. And then you have the other places that are just, they're crumbling or they're the mud huts that they see on TV. Like it's both worlds in one country. Right. And it's just, it's baffling at times. But that one, like, it was a fun, it went quick, as odd as it seems, for a year to just kind of go by. And I thought it would take forever. But it flew by, and it was an absolute blast. When we came back, we all kind of got together once we came back from our leave and rest and kind of reassessed our lives. And we found out there was the opportunity that in 2006 we could go to Iraq. But if we wanted to stay together we needed to make it known early and almost everyone from our platoon that we had just deployed with said, yes, I want to come back with these same guys in a year mm-hmm. and let's go. We don't know where we're going to go yet because those, that decision wasn't made at the time. And then we found out that we were going to be going to Iraq 06 to 07. And that was made Afghanistan at the time look really easy. Like, we got to the main base up in Kirkuk and we found out the first week we got there, Oh, you're going to go down, you know, another 50, 60 miles away from the main base. And you're just going to meet with the guys that you're replacing. Then you're coming back. We were told pack for seven days. We were there for nine months (laughs) and like our gear got brought down to us. And it was one of the smallest little bases you could see end to end. And like, I it's was just a tiny little hut. Like we stayed in like a shipping container had four of us in it. And we had, they were all lined up around surrounded by sandbags. And like it, that was a shock to the system. Just being that close quarters with four guys that I knew a couple of them. The other two, I didn't know because they were new to us, but you learn how to really, adjust to everyone's sleeping patterns and how they, you know, those that snore, those that roll around in their bed at night, because you felt everything mm-hmm. and there's, you had no space other than your little bed. Yeah. A small common area by the door, but it was something else. Like I absolutely loved it when we were there. Like we actually saw more action or combat than we ever did in Afghanistan. And that at first was terrifying, but to an extent, you just kind of, you left the, when you've left the base, you hoped nothing was going to happen, but you anticipated that all hell could break loose and you wanted to be mentally prepared for it, but you never knew. There were days you went out, absolutely nothing happened for over eight hours mm-hmm. and you come back and then you find out a group that went out an hour after you just got their truck blown up. And everyone's fine, but now we have to go out and rescue their truck and take out the tow trucks with them mm-hmm. and then bring it back. And, you know, a matter of a couple hours, you know, it could be you're coming in back in safe or you come back in with a wrecked truck and shell shocked and going to see the doctor to make sure you're still all there. Yep. But yeah, that I don't know. Going to the I, doctor to make sure you're at least physically okay. Does doesn't matter about mentally. I mean, you're a goalie, so they, they knew to begin with that that was, you know, not not going to be a good. 
that was like when I was in college and I had to go to the trainer to see if I had a, another concussion. They're like, you know, it's really hard to tell with you because you get, you act that way normally. <laughs> it's like, thanks guys. <laughs> um, I, like I've done once I had gotten out, like I've gone to get looked at much more thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through the concussion protocols and all of that just to get them a baseline. And if they were to do it before I had ever joined to now, I don't know that a whole lot would change, at least to me. But even as a goalie, like I know I got hit in the head numerous times mm-hmm. younger when we didn't have the fancier helmets that are out today. Yep. Like I had my old Cooper bubble cage was what I wore most of my youth goalie career and take a puck to that, catch a stick to that, you know, just kind of shake it off. You're okay. Okay. Well, and concussions weren't a big thing early on. What we've learned in recent years too, is everybody reacts different. You know, I, I remember uh, in college, I got a concussion one week and one of my teammates got one the next week. He's never really been the same since. And I was just kind of like, once the headaches and stuff wore off, I was fine. Um, you know, as I look back, there's probably some long-term stuff with like migraines that I get, but for the most part, knock on wood, I've been okay. But this fella, not the case. I probably sustained the worst, you, you know, the harder hit in, you know, the brunt of it, but our brains are all different. We all react different. Just like, you know, uh, when you were over there, some of the stuff you saw, some of you were able to handle it better than others because mentally we all handle things different. So the, the brain is a interesting thing. It's not like with a broken arm where we can look at an X-ray and go, yep, that's fixed, <laughs> you know, because there, there's no, I mean, there's some understanding, but it's just so complex to say whether or not something has healed uh, up here is, is a lot harder than they found and we we can't just say ah you're you're not seeing it stars anymore you're good to go well that was always i think the biggest thing the few times like our trucks would catch part of a blast is you know how many fingers am i holding up do you feel nauseous yeah here's some ibuprofen come see me in the morning we'll check on you again and that was that yeah you know it very well could have been you know we got you know the quick knockout blow and kind of came back you're like yeah i feel fine you know everything's still here you know give me some stuff for the ache and the headache yeah i'll go to bed i'll see you in the morning but whenever somebody you know gets hit in the head and they say you know how many fingers am i holding up i always think back to that scene from the mighty ducks with carp he wouldn't know anyway (laughs) (laughs) there's that's always the thought i have um but the good news is you, you know, you came back from both tours and, um, you know, after some time you got out of the military and decided, Hey, let me put the pads back on. What was it that, you know, made you want to put them back on, you know? I think for me, cause growing up, like there was never an adult hockey that I remember being a big thing. Like you played through high school, if you made it and you continue your career, good for you kind of like the year I came up in close to the same year as you, if you didn't go to college, your time was really seemingly done. And I got out and like kind of trying to find my way and just happened to get past an article by my parents that was talking about a hockey team that's adults and it's all veterans. And like, okay, the 
sounds interesting. I reached out and like, yeah, you know, if you've got equipment, bring it, come skate, you know, see how it goes. And to me, that was just the most bizarre thing was coming back as an adult that I get to go and play a kid's sport and I'm in my thirties now. (laughs) I don't, I've never thought this would happen. And luckily enough, like I didn't come out and fall or get hurt myself. And as soon as I came out of the ice and was in the locker room with the guys, like that whole, the rush of where I wanted to be was right there. And it was almost, you know, other than my skills were slow and still catching up on the changes. Like I go out on the ice, I feel at home. Like that is, I walk through those doors and it's just, it's me versus whoever's coming at me. It's no longer, I have home problems or I have, you know, chores I got to take care of in the yard and the kids have this or that. It's, this is for me, this next hour is my time. Yeah. I I call it my therapy every week. It's my hour of therapy being out on the ice and you're right. Like, you know, in this digital world, you know, if a commercial comes on TV, I feel like I need to look at my phone right away. If, you know, there's that short attention span now and there's always something to do at home. But once I get to that rink, there's just like this sense of relief. Once you walk into that, that locker room where it's like, okay, there's only one thing for me to do for the next hour and a half. And that's get ready to play, play, take my equipment off and have a beer. Yep. That's the only explanation. Like that's, I, I think the best thing being an adult playing hockey, you get the later race then it can suck waking up in the morning. You get done and you can still just relax. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know I'd come home, the kids are in bed and asleep. My wife and the dogs, they're in bed and asleep. And I just, I get to come home. I still get to relax a little bit, unwind from playing and let that energy kind of tone itself down and then go to bed. Yeah. Because everything else has been taken care of either before I left or while I was gone. And it's just, I think the best part of being an adult still playing is my kids are older. So it's less of a hassle of, Oh, where's dad. But now I get to, you know, I'm going to hockey. Okay. Have fun. Okay. I'll see you in a couple hours. You know, I'll have a couple beers talk to, you know, for the most part, depending on what league I'm skating in, I meet new people every season. Mm-hmm. And then there's guys that I've played with the past five, six seasons where we just keep coming back while we're on the same teams or different teams. And you just, it's kind of just nice to immerse myself with other people that we probably won't meet any other way. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned the kids, my son, he's at the point now, if it's, you know, if there's not school on Monday morning, he's like, well, maybe I'll come to the game with you. You know, it's kind of, kind of funny that my you know, they, they want to come watch you play. And ref's always like when he comes, cause he'll sit in the, you know, penalty box and he'll put the goals up for them. And they're like, sweet. I don't have to hop in and do it because I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. Some people may call me a helicopter parent or whatnot, but I don't trust him running around the rink, not to get in trouble. So I'm like, you either have to be on the bench with the helmet or sit in the penalty box so I can see at all times. Cause as a goalie, it's not, I, I don't want to be looking all over the rink, looking to see where he's at, but if I know he's in the penalty box, he can't get too far. And so the, the ref's always like when he shows up. Yeah. 
The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, you know, and I, I know when you started playing again, you were playing on warrior teams and yep. as, as most hockey players know, those are teams made up of vets and it, it's not just an idea of, Oh, let's have a bunch of vets play together. You know, like kind of the last two weeks I've had, you know, uh, Kurt from the FDNY hockey team and Mike from the NYPD. And those are teams where, you know, firemen, policemen get together, play some hockey, but these warrior teams were specifically put together for the vets when they come home to be surrounded with other vets doing something outside of the military almost is a healing process. Um, yeah. how, how important was hockey to that healing or reintegration process when, when you got back? Early on, like probably the first year that I was amongst the programs, like it was huge. Like there's, as I've told some people that asked about it, like playing in a locker room with just guys, like when we do the subject classics, you and for the good, you'll meet a lot of new people. Everyone has kind of stories and you'll share and talk in the locker rooms and you get that great hockey feeling and you feel comfortable as it is. Mm -hmm. When you walk into a locker room, that's all the military guys, regardless army, Marines, Coast Guard, Air Force, Navy, there's just, there's an energy in the locker room that is unlike anything you can really imagine. Like there, it's almost, it overcomes you for those of us that kind of really miss that camaraderie and closeness of walking in there. And, you know, these are guys that we'd never served together. We are in the same times, but they were guard reserves somewhere else active. And, but we all have the same stories, whether in, you know, it could be in a different country, it could be in the same place at the same time. And we just missed each other by a matter of 10, 15 feet. Mm-hmm. And now here we are, you know, years later and, oh, you were deployed to here. Where were we at? I was at that same base. And all of a sudden you're, you know, you start comparing your times there and how much changed and just being able to talk to other vets in a sports setting, I think makes it a lot easier to open up and talk about feelings that a lot of people may not just quite understand. Mm-hmm. Of, 
being deployed, being away from friends and family for years at a time that they understand, you know, sometimes we have parents that'll come and watch. They understand that same difficulty, but as a parent. So if my parents come, they meet with some of the other parents of the guys on the team and they can talk about their experience of God. I remember watching them leave and doing their, you know, farewell ceremonies. And I can't imagine how other people feel. And all of a sudden, here's another parent that's been through the same thing. They can talk. So I think all in all, it's great for everyone that's involved. The kids get to meet when they show up. Mm-hmm. But for us that play, it's just such a bond that is unbreakable. Regard, like, even if we do something stupid outside of hockey and people get in trouble for it, you can still come back to that locker room and still feel a part of everything. And you know, if you need help getting through something because of that, they're there for you. Like yep. it's, you know, we may be out of the service, out of our uniforms, but if you call me at any time or text me, reach out to me in the parking lot while we're having beers, like I'm here for you 100%. Like I don't care what it is, but it's that bond of that I had when I was in has carried on to the outside life that I have now, but it's still that I feel the need to help in need when they need it or just be there to make a dumb joke that only those guys would really understand and find funny that also remember that you're part of this, you know, to an extent elite community that signed a contract, you went, you did what you did and now you're back and now you get to go and play hockey and Mm -hmm. have fun playing hockey. Yeah. And I mean, there's warrior tournaments seems like all over the place, you know, and teams all over the place. It's definitely something that's caught on. And, you know, what, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. My dad was a fireman and different, but same in certain aspects in that they see things the common person doesn't see and have to go through. And there's something about just being around people that do the same job and understand that we don't have to talk about what we see or did or do, but just being able to talk and other people kind of pick up on the sensitive topics and they're, they're able to sometimes change topic so that you don't go down to that dark place. Or if you yeah. are in that dark place, they're, they're able, able to help and understand better than the common person per se. Oh yeah. yeah. Like even with some of the tournaments and invitationals that since 2012, when I joined till now, like I've gotten to go, both sides of the coast, gone down south to play, gone to the Midwest to play other teams, and just even meeting, like as much as it's exploded since I first started playing, to meet guys that come to a tournament up here or wherever we may meet them, and that this is their first full-time experience playing hockey. Mm -hmm. Like they've done practices, but they've never done the full game because they grew up in Texas or California or somewhere where hockey just, it wasn't a way of life at the time. And they got out and they heard about the programs and joined and also like, I have, you know, friends in all different States that I would have never met Mm -hmm. if it wasn't through going and playing hockey other places and just giving each team their due and inappropriate memes or just calling them out just to kind of build that a fun rivalry Right. So that when you do meet that one time or repeated times, 
like you can always go back and I remember game one we played you and it was a blowout on our end. Now we're playing games and it's coming down to the wire. And it's just amazing how fast people pick up and adjust and the bonds are built over playing hockey. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing to me. Well, and I, I think what's helped too with the Warrior teams is the fact that so many NHL teams have really adopted their local Warrior teams and support them, uh, you know, which is awesome. I still remember the, there was a Warrior team playing in the Super Rink um, League in one of the seasons, and it's our first game playing against them. And, you know, we played well and we beat them, but we're walking out to the parking lot, and one of the guys is carrying his prosthetic leg over his shoulder, the one he wore while he skated. And we're all like, he was one of their better players. And we didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, like it was just, uh, you know, we were all pretty impressed. Granted, one of our teammates used to play for that team. And <laughs> we're, we're all talking about our concussions in the locker room. The one day he goes, yeah, my concussion. All I remember is I was in Iraq one minute and I woke up in Germany three weeks later. <laughs> we're all like, way to bring the mood down, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, yeah it's... <laughs> all right so it was a bad concussion we take it <laughs> um you know looking on instagram it looks like you've got something in the works of possibly a, a new warrior team is there anything you care to share there or is that something that's still in the early brewing process still very early on like yeah. there's a lot of to an extent a lot of moving pieces but the key people are aligned is probably the best way to describe what's going on but it's going to be same general concept but it's kind of we're descending from a program to our own that's going to just it's going to be a branch off to mm -hmm. an extent but it's the same thing we just want to play hockey like we'll go and we'll play outside this year, just yeah. be together, play, have fun, bring our families out, do barbecues, just keep Less the formal. family camaraderie together. Yeah. Less formal, more fun. Yep. Uh, which I, I meant to ask earlier, you know, when you've gone to any of these tournaments, have you run into anybody you had served with, you know, or it's just like, Oh my God, didn't expect to see you here. There's a couple that, I've talked to them, and I think one's local, but we were at the same base at the same time. And, like, I'm sure we sat and had dinner together a few times because, like, yeah, I recognize them, but I could never really pinpoint from where. Mm -hmm. And we had talked a couple times, and he told me the unit he was in and what I was in. And then we kind of got into the deployment stories and, like, where were you at while well, we were there, you know, at the same time, but they were on a two-week rotation coming through. So they were there every three, four weeks, going for two weeks, off two weeks, back for two weeks. And we were there nonstop. And I'm pretty sure there were numerous times where we sit there and we're having <laughs> dinner together. And like, we didn't talk then because infantry and MPs didn't really talk a whole right. lot. And all of a sudden you come back and you're in the locker room and war stories come up. And like, I'm pretty sure I sat across the table from you having dinner. Yeah. And we've never talked. And all of a sudden, here we are playing hockey on different teams, you know, 10 years later. And I don't know how it, you know, works out to do that. But it's always, 
when you meet somebody that you saw downrange or worked with downrange and all of a sudden you're back and in the completely different environment, it's amazing just how much we have all changed from being the downrange where hard asses and you don't show emotion and you try and stay as professional as possible at all times to you're back here, life is normal, and you can be as dumb as you want. You can let <laughs> your normal goofiness out and no one's going to look at you twice and be like, I don't know what's wrong with him. And those of us that have done it, like, I, I know where he's coming from. Yeah, There was a time when you wanted to always be serious, and now that serious part of your life is over. Yeah. Now it's time to just start enjoying being able to be fun and outgoing and less restricted. Absolutely. So I'm keeping an eye on time because I want to be respectful of it. And if you've listened to any of the po- previous podcast episodes, I ask a list of 10 rapid fire questions. Same questions to every uh, guest I've had from my very first guest of uh, Bones to, you know, NHLers like Eddie Belfour and uh, Kelly Rudy. So it, it's really fun to hear goalies of all ages and skill levels answer these questions. So the first one, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? Oh, I think well, it'd probably be more recent. There was an inappropriate situation that we had. It was our trophy from a tournament down in Florida. That our, it was an adult-related trophy that was handed out to the worst player of the game. <laughs> and our coach at the time was walking in, and someone had gotten in. They were there was a whiteboard in the locker room, and they wanted to see if it would stick to the whiteboard. And as soon as they threw it, it hit the whiteboard, and our coach walked in and got hit in the face with it. And I'll just kind of leave it at everyone's idea of thinking what it could have been. But it was a gift that it was just one of those lighting the locker room heat at times. And you never wanted to be the player to get it. But if you did, you took it in stride and just laughed about it. But, yeah, the coach walked in. It was just had hit the whiteboard and kind of caught him right in the face. So what you're saying is you didn't want that in your hockey bag going back through the TSA line. No, that, that from what I found out later on was the original intent, but the person that they put in his bag did not check his bag. He put it in a trailer that got pulled down. Oh, They okay. were hoping he'd get stopped at TSA and have it pulled out. <laughs> I, I've heard some good stories of those, <laughs> those happenings. Uh, so the next question, what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? I'm going to go with Belfour. I have one that I had done up when I first got back and had money and could afford to get a mask painted. And I went with a green and gold, but the Belfour Eagle. Which one? So he had a couple different iterations. He had that original one. He had the uh, next one that had the talons. Then he had kind of the, when uh, he first started with Miska, he had the realistic looking Eagle. Then he went to that uh, stylized one. Uh, So which one did you have? It was probably one of the earlier ones with the Blackhawks. It was not overly over the top. Like mm-hmm. some of the ones that got later on where it got more stylized stylized and adjusted. But the original kind of the eagle look with mm-hmm. the Dallas kind of coloring behind it. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's one of – Belfour is my favorite. I love that mask, but I've kind of gotten to the point where it's like 
getting the eagle on my helmet now would just seem too cliche. Yeah. Like I, I feel it. And especially when people see it, the few times I wear it, like it's, to me, it's an incredible mask. I love just being there that era and watching them. Yeah. You know, you know, against the North stars, all the history there, but he was always just phenomenal to watch. Always had a great looking mask. Every time I saw it when he changed teams and how it just, for him, it evolved over time. And like, it was just a cool mask growing up watching him play. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we talk about masks, yours is pretty cool too. You know, it's clearly got some, uh, you know, personal aspects to it. You know, explain your mask to those that probably haven't seen it yet. Um, well, it's kind of the older, it's the digitalized camo from the time I was in for the most part. Mm-hmm. But on both sides, like people have on their cars, the little country stickers mm-hmm. or the, I ran the 26.2 sticker or whatever it is for the marathons. Yeah. I don't like but those I people. Initials for Iraq and Afghanistan are on both sides as one of those stickers. So those are both on the sides of the chin. We've got the team name on the front. And then like, it's got a little bit of a tribute to John Casey with the stars on the top of the helmet, but they're very kind of, faded into it so they're mm-hmm. not overly noticeable unless you're looking um the one side it has both the my unit patches from when i was in and then the other side has my unit's logo which was strong arm where it's the arm kind of flexing holding the lightning bolt is on the other side and that's just kind of a tribute to all the guys i deployed with and for two tours we're buddy to this day we talk every once in a while and that unit has since been closed and moved up different units so it's my tribute to those that were before us and those Mm -hmm. that somewhat came after us and is that mask is that a wrap or was that painted that one's paint i have one that's wrapped that i wear more now but that one still my first one ever I had painted and still one of my favorites that I wear. Cause I'm, I'm interested with the wraps that they, they seem to have come a long way and they seem pretty darn durable and they're, they're not as cheap as I think people would anticipate, but they're still cheaper than getting them painted and you can get pretty, pretty cool stuff on them. So I've kind of been exploring that option. Um, yeah. The one that I wear that's become my, day-to-day mask I had wrapped by a guy in Elk River that I knew a couple guys that had phenomenal work done and they passed him along and like we talked and I gave him ideas and he came up with the concept and um, I, I just I, I've got an idea in my head of what I want my mask to look like I just there's one sticking point to get it you know to tie it all together. I got an awesome college helmet. I got an awesome high school helmet and there's a way to somehow blend the two. I just haven't come, come through with it yet. Um, so the next question, what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Um, even though it's gone bet center. Okay. I got lucky enough, like when the Norris left and they had a building for like two more years, they were kind of doing what XL does where every once in a while teams can rent the ice and you get to go and skate on the pro sheet mm-hmm. and I got a chance that I think it was 93 to go and skate at the bet center after the North stars were gone. But it was still, for me, it was the Met. 
Yeah. I got to go and wear my gear and be on that ice and skate there. And it just, that's one that's always kind of been there for me. Like I loved the Met, even though it was old and very small, but it was such a fun place to be at. You know, it's funny. I didn't grow up in Minnesota, but still when I, Go to Ikea. I'm still like, yeah, this used to be the Met. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, now that the Thunderbird's gone, it's just kind of like, even though I didn't grow up here, I still look at it and cringe. Like, ah, it's a shame. <laughs> um, so this, this is a question I, I like asking always is, what's your favorite stick that you've used? As much as it still weighs a ton, the old Christian sticks. The yes. Christian USA weaved whatever it was and painted but the black ones with the white lettering yeah i still have them sitting in my garage with my normal carbon sticks now and like some days i think maybe i should just take it out and see then i lift it up and nope i'm not taking that (laughs) with me anywhere and i just go grab my really light ones and but yeah i grew up with that was my stick of choice as a kid and fact that i've had them almost 30 years and they're still in one piece yep in testament to the quality every single christian goalie stick uh person i know that's used a christian goalie stick has had the same story too and that you know when that heel starts going you throw a little wood glue in there and set it in the clamp (laughs) overnight and get a you know a little bit more time out of that stick and then you just Load up on the tape in that heel. I mean, that's that's why goalies like you and I took that tape up over the heel growing up. It was to try and preserve the heel. Now kids, if they do it, just do it because it looks cool, not because there's any real reason to. Yeah, I catch myself even doing it when I retape my sticks now. Like I still keep, I get to the heel and I keep going. And yep. like it feels weird not to go past it. And I understand, you know, with technology and everything changing, but to me it's, still that's the golden standard is above the heel yeah somehow i'm saving this stick (laughs) from getting beat up on ice that's 10 times better now than it was 20 years ago but yeah in my mind i'm still i'm saving it well and it's funny because those old you know the christian six and the wood six of the time like you retaped your stick so you had a good layer of tape on there to help protect it from the water and the ice. Whereas today, I mean, some people tape the stick to get a little better, you know, feel of the puck, but there, you really don't need to tape your stick. If you're as bad at playing the puck as you are like me, (laughs) there's not a need. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I I love those Christian six. I used them through college. You know, we were still getting them. It was probably the, the end of, you know, Christian, making that style of stick. I know there's a Christian hockey stick out there now, but it's not the same Christian brothers and it's not yep. the same design. Um, but it, I, I've actually been looking at them cause I, they have a foam core option and it's like, I could get three foam cores for the price of one really nice, uh, you know, composite stick. I, I've been considering that here lately. Um, so what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Yeah, that's I think more challenging than anything else. <laughs> like I, growing up, like it was always just for me to be able to play and be the only goalie on the team was the coolest thing. Because for whatever reason, but the years I grew up, we always had multiple goalies, so you split time. 
Mm-hmm. And you either skated out or for goal or you sat on the bench and waited and opened the doors. Yeah. But I would probably, I want to say it was like my second year of Peewee's or squirt one of them, but the goalie for the Bantam team had something go on and he was removed from the team for whatever reason. And I was an extra goalie on my team and the, just kind of reached out to both of us. And would you like to come up and play in Bantams a year early, even though you're still undersized, you're, you know, you've still got another year down, but you, you want to come up and play. And I said, hell, why not? I'll do it. And I'm going up against kids that are three, four years older than me taking at the time, what I thought were some of the hardest slap shots <laughs> I've ever seen. Yep. And just getting blasted, but I was a entire team even though they were older than me took care of me like i was one of them mm-hmm. even though like i shouldn't have been up at that level at that time but it was just i got to hang out with the older kids and play with the older kids and they yeah. took great care of me and got me through it that's awesome uh so transitioning what's the best chirp you've heard that usually i say on the ice off the ice but th- this could go many different places with you <laughs> Um, I think the one that I've always hoped for, and I actually had the t-shirt for a while was the good game, good game, F you good game, yeah. good game as you're going through the handshake line. And I actually had that happen at a tournament and it was a game that we won, but it was down to the wire close. And I'm assuming it was one of their better players that he got, I got one of the lucky miraculous. I knew what I was doing saves that kept him from scoring the, either the tying goal or a winning goal. And like, we were just going after each other back and forth the entire game. And you know, your mother, this, your mother, that just to, cause he would be in the crease kind of pushing back a little bit. And my guys would come push him. I'd push him, but I was going through the handshake line. And I've always dreamed of that moment that as a goalie, you've pissed somebody off enough that they're yeah. not going to give you the good game. And like that happened, I got in the locker room and I celebrated that single moment. <laughs> Even though we won the game, I got that moment where I bothered a player that much and just ruined his game of hockey for that day. Yeah. That he needed to make sure that he didn't, he came out and told me he did not appreciate me. Well, ne- next and time I, we play each other, I'm going to have to remember that and I will be sure to, <laughs> uh, you know, greet you appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say it because there there was a you know in, in Chicago you don't play for your community like you do in Minnesota you play for an association and then you can either go you know private Catholic school or you go to your community high school well most of us went from my association went to one school I went to another one and then there was this one kid that they moved so he went even further away and we wind up playing them and, you know, it was like the first time we'd seen each other in three years. And the whole game, we're just being ruthless to each other, saying things. The refs are giving us warnings. And we're just laughing. We're like, he's my buddy. Like, it's, it's all good. And they're like, well, you can't be saying that stuff on the ice. So, you know, we're going through the handshake line. And, you know, we, we kind of pull back a little bit like we were going to punch each other. It's like, no, then we gave each other a hug. But it's just funny. Like, he, I, I think we both instinctively did it just to get under the ref skin because I know they weren't 
they weren't too excited when they thought they were going to have to break up a fight. <laughs> uh, so what is the worst post-game beer? Uh, warm hams. Yeah. I've had it once at one game. Like, it wasn't hot, but it was warm. And I, like, give me a natty light I can handle. PBRs I can handle. A warm hams is not going to happen. Yeah. Like, well, I just, I can't. Even cold hams on a good day is pushing it. So, yeah, I, I can see how a warm one yeah. wouldn't be good. Uh, so we've alluded to the six a little bit. When you tape it, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? I start, because I do two t- layers of tape on mine regardless. I've always, it's just how I go. But I'll start at the toe, because I wrap a little extra at the toe. Mm-hmm. And I'll start, go all the way to the toe or the end, and then come back. Okay. So you, you, you can't, in a way, you do it both. Yes. <laughs> uh, I've always, like... It seems weird, especially when I go to rip it off and it's just, I question why I put two layers on. Yeah. So but then I go back and I put two layers on. You're talking about not using the Christian stick because the new ones are so much lighter, but with all the tape you put on there, does it really matter? I don't think so. Other than like <laughs> catching a really good shot right on the stick itself. Yeah. And you get that vibration through the hand. That's about the only difference. Okay. All right. Uh, so what's your favorite number to wear and why? What was that one? What is your favorite? It broke up a little bit. Oh, okay. So what's your favorite number to wear and why? Um, as goalie 39, I know that you claim that's your number, but I will stay and say it's mine before yours. Um, but watching Hashik, like he was just such a phenomenal, almost gymnast-like in net at times, and yep. just kind of watching his journeyman career from the Blackhawks to Detroit to Buffalo, he was just a phenomenal. Everywhere he went, he was phenomenal. Yep. If I'm a skater and I have a choice, I go with 17 for Basil McRae. Okay. You know he knew Gordo back when he was a player. <laughs> uh. <laughs> You see, now I've told the story. I wear 39. 35 was my number in high school. I wanted that in college, but we had an upperclassman goalie that had 35 when I got to college. So I went to the cabinet with the jerseys and I found the biggest one they had. And it happened to be 39. And it just, it fit my style of play. So ever since then, that's been my number. Um, It just, it works. Uh, Although I've, I've, toyed with the idea of maybe going back to 35 next time we get jerseys just because but i don't know i like 39 it just it, it's it's not a typical goal neat number that even with goalies wearing weird ones these days with like 50 and 88 you're still not seeing the kids go out there with 39 so that that's no, another reason i i still like it it seems like kosh kind of flown under the radar when it comes to being a number 39 goalie that Never quite caught the steam of the younger goalies, yeah. even though he should have. It's, I swear to God, watching you at times, it's like you're just taking his energy and rolling around on the ice, throwing your pads everywhere to just make a save that you stick your arm out and there you have it. Yeah. But you feel the need to make a cartwheel out of it. and <laughs> like, It just it doesn't make sense. It, it, no. And 
there, there are times where I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Um, yeah, I, I, I just like the one picture Landon had shared where I'm, I'm literally on the ground, on my back with both arms open. But in the picture, you see the pucks right here. And my eyes are actually, if you zoom in close enough, you see my eyes are actually on the puck. And when I sent Landon the picture, zoomed in, he's like, oh, my God, you really did know where the puck was. It's like, yeah, I had my eyes on it the whole time. It was just sometimes my body does weird things. <laughs> That's the only way to explain it. Uh, so the, the last question, what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Uh, that, well, that one for me is I, now being older and having played younger and earlier in my later half of the life. Um, it, just take every game and you leave it when you leave the rink. Mm-hmm. Like I see a lot of like if for those that follow goalie guild or lift the mask, like mental health these days for goalies is huge. And had I had that as a kid, I'm sure a lot of things would have been different. But now, like realizing that I have a bad game, I can't take that home and be mad about it. I'm not going to the pros anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shoot, coming up on 40, my prime years of being that NHL e-bug are long gone. And as much as I like to think I could, but, you know, that first shot and they scored, and like that one kills you anytime. But you just got to shake it off and let it go. But as soon as you coming in and out of those doors, just you let the game be. Mm-hmm. If you have a, you know, for the younger kids, if you have a coach that's on you about it, like just kind of accept what they have to say and move forward and just let it go and just don't let it kind of fester with you. Yeah. If you let it fester and just keep getting at you. And that's the biggest thing I think even as a kid playing is I let things fester and I would think about the goal from two weeks ago and how it should have never been a goal, but they got it Yeah. to where now, you know, I give up a goal. I try and laugh about it and my teammates look at me like I'm weird, but I, I, I can't take it seriously anymore. Like I'll play as serious as I can, but if you get a goal, you obviously had more determination to score on me than I had to stop you. Yep. And there's nothing I can do about that. You know, I, I think you and I are able to leave the game at the rink a little bit easier because there's beer waiting for us in the locker room. Kids don't have that for a good reason, but that, I, I know that helps me leave the game at the rink a little bit easier. But it's it's funny you mentioned, you know, just getting over it. In my very first high school start or varsity start, very first shot goes in. And it would have been very easy for me to just be, you know, be all over myself. And the ref comes to get the puck. He looks at me with a smile on his face and he goes, well, you got that one out of your system. Let's have a good game. And it was just like that right there is like, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of laughed about it and I wound up having a good game. I, I think we lost like three to two against a really good team, but it was just kind of like, yeah, just get over it. You have to have that short uh, attention span. That's what my goalie coach has always told me as a kid. And I don't know if you've seen Ted Lasso, but in the early episodes, he says, you know, what's the happiest animal? Goldfish, because they have a 10-second memory. And, you know, something bad happened on the soccer field, and he looked at the guy and he said, be a goldfish. And it's like, yeah, so that, that's kind of my motto now when I'm at the rink, be a goldfish. You know, get over it, focus on the next shot. Yep, that's the, I think the biggest thing I learned after being in the military and getting out is, like, just you got to let small things like that happen. Yeah. 
you know, again, you're going to play an adult or you know, ultimately an adult and kid game as an adult, and you get to enjoy it. You don't have expectations like the pros. You may not have training like the pros do. If you make a soft save, good for you. You yep. made the save. You yep. make a spectacular highlight reel save, even better. Yeah. But again, no one's going to remember it the following week. No. There's no point to just dwell on good and bad. Just focus and keep going forward. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm filling in for a team this fall season because their goalie is having surgery, and they can score. They can score a lot, which is good because I've been having a terrible season. Uh, but we are we still only have one loss on the season. So I was like, okay, this is good. And the last game, like, I let a goal in. We were still up by a couple, and I was upset. And one of my teammates comes by. He's like, dude, it's fine. We, you know, we're doing okay. It's like, I've let five goals in today. He's like, yeah, we've got nine, though. So he's like, what's what's the problem? I don't see it. I was like, I let in a soft goal. He goes, so? We'll, we'll get it back. He's like, I'll, I'll go down. I'll score one right now for you. I was like, well, that would make me feel better. <laughs> you know, but it's like sometimes our teammates understand. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's okay. You know, so uh, I've taken up quite a bit of time. Where can folks find you on social media if they want to follow you? Well, let's see. We've got uh, Instagram and Glorious Beard. When we have tournaments coming up, I'll definitely aim to poke fun at you again. Uh, Facebook, just it's my regular name. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, then the Minnesota Sentinels, our page is slowly starting to form. Just look it up under Minnesota Sentinels. We're the only one right now. I don't yep. think there's any other Sentinel teams anywhere. Um, but as that goes along, we'll be posting as much as we can to that. Hopefully we'll get that entire team formed up and hopefully even into a tournament with goons for good against you or anyone. Yeah. But it's starting. I'm on there. If you, happen to be in a tournament in Minnesota against me, there's a good chance I'll find you and start making posts yeah. just to poke. You Never know, intentionally to make fun of people, but. Oh, no, I, I, I think you're pretty good at the uh, the trash talk game. Uh, so I, I appreciate it. It's funny, too, because in Minnesota, there's a lot of people that really like to put the trash talk out there, but they can't take it. You're not one of those people. But uh, a lot of the Vikings fans will say <laughs> they're kind of in the we can dish it out, but we can't take it crowd. Um, but you, you, you're not in that crowd. So that, that, that was fun. It, it, it made, makes leading up to the tournament so much fun. Um, cause it's like, all right, I got to win this game. I, I got to go out there. In fact, um, you know, in that first soda stick tournament, when I was going back and forth with Andy, like I got in the locker room and was like, listen, you know, guys like me and the guy from Arsenal have been going back and forth for weeks we need to go out there and have a statement game. They're like, we're just meeting each other. I go, I don't care. We need to have a statement game and we need to let these guys know <laughs> we are better than them. <laughs> you know, and, and we did. Um, that was also a game where I wore my Hoshik helmet just because. Uh, <laughs> so, well, Michael, thank you for your time. Uh, I can't wait till we get on the ice to uh, face off against each other again. Hopefully this time uh, or next time we see each other you have a little more defense than the last time uh, we were on the ice together because <laughs> you, you didn't get much help in that game. That's for sure. I hope. Um, so thank you. I appreciate your time. Oh, not a problem. Anytime.
Michael is a fun guy to talk to. A stick tap to him as well for serving our country and going on two deployments. I think his time in the Army made him a great trash talker, and I always appreciate what he has to say about my game. Be sure to find Michael on social media at IngloriousBeard on Instagram. You can always find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie, and I'll pop up. Visit WashUpGoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my Beer League hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of Beer League players talk Beer League hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full line of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Quack Report podcast, the Tell It Avs, It Is podcast, and the King's Den podcast. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body safe. Don't think you should show your face around here.